Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Steven Seagal, Songs from the Crystal Cave from 2004. He survived Vietnam as a black belt in Aikido. Meet Nico, a cop with an attitude above the law. Rated R. Starts Friday, April 22nd at a theater near you. Released in 1988, Above the Law was a crime action film written, produced, and directed by Andrew Davis. The film follows Nico Toscani, a former special operations Vietnam vet, working as a Chicago cop who discovers an international conspiracy during a relatively routine drug trafficking investigation. The film was financed by talent agent Michael Ovitz. Ovitz worked as an agent for Tom Cruise, Barbara Streisand, Steven Spielberg, Bill Murray, and Dustin Hoffman, just to name a few. He was considered one of the most powerful and influential men in Hollywood around that time. He believed he could make anyone a star. And to test this theory he asked his former Aikido instructor to star in Above the Law. That instructor's name was Steven Seagal. Seagal talks about his acting debut in this interview with Nashville reporter Jimmy Carter in 1988 from the Ask Jimmy Carter YouTube channel. Well, Steven, congratulations, first of all. You look like a real natural in the movies. Was that natural for you to be an actor? Well, I think if it looked natural to you, you know, I mean, uh, that's probably the answer, yeah. I try not to act, mm-hmm. you know. I think uh, the most important thing in acting is to not act, you know. Prior to filming Above the Law, Seagal was teaching Aikido at the dojo he owned in Los Angeles. He was a college dropout with no acting experience. In a piece for People magazine on November 19, 1990, Mary H.J. Farrell and Lorenzo Benet wrote, His rise from seeming obscurity coupled with a murky past and rumored links to the intelligence community, only added to his mystique. Despite his current position in the white-hot center of the Hollywood star-making machine, Seagal remains an enigma. Stories about him abound, most of them his own telling. His tendency to twist and embellish the truth has long puzzled friends. Says an associate, He's a complex guy with insecurities and imaginary enemies. He'd be fine if he just kept his mouth shut. He won't. On October 3rd, on national TV, 
Seagal told Arsenio Hall a lot of my youth was spent in Brooklyn. A visit or two, maybe. But Seagal's mom, Pat, says he was born in Lansing, Michigan, and that Stephen and his three sisters lived outside of Detroit before the family moved to Fullerton, California when he was five. According to his mother, as a teenager, Stephen worked at a local Aikido dojo alongside an older Japanese instructor who encouraged Stephen to visit Japan. It's not debated whether or not he did go to Japan, but timelines of exactly when are a bit murky, due to more embellishing on Stephen's part. Seagal bounced back and forth between Japan and the United States several times over the next decade. In 1988, he told the Los Angeles Times that during one of his visits in Japan, quote, you can say that I became an advisor to several CIA agents in the field, and through my friends in the CIA, met many powerful people that did special works and special favors, end quote. Seagal would later deny these claims. But let's get back to his film career. It took more than a bullet to silence him. Your man's alive, Lieutenant. It'll take more than an army. We'll get him, buddy. To stop him. Every one of them. Steven Seagal, hard to kill. Rated R. Starts Friday, February 9th at a theater near you. After the success of Above the Law, Seagal went on to star in 1990's Hard to Kill. This time, he starred alongside his then-wife, Kelly LeBrock. Okay. Drop and give me 20. Hard to Kill had the biggest three-day February opening at the time, opening weekend making $9.2 and debuting at number one. It would go on to make $59 million worldwide, and just eight months later, Seagal would be back in theaters. They've killed his partner. They've attacked his family. You mess with my family, you die. They've made the wrong guy. Very, very angry. One thought he was invincible. The other thought he could fly. They were both wrong. Steven Seagal is marked for death. Is that right? Radar. Marked for Death opened October 5th, 1990. Once again, Seagal had a number one movie. And just six months later, he would have yet another number one film. He can take a punch. I'm starting to get in a bad mood, you know? He can take an insult. But now he's taking out the garbage. Steven Seagal, Out for Justice. Out for Justice opened April 12th, 1991. It was Steven Seagal's third consecutive number one movie. But just one week later, Seagal would not be a hit when he tried something completely different. And starring Steven Seagal! Seagal hosted the April 20th, 1991 episode of Saturday Night Live. He's considered by many to be the worst SNL host of all time. Several cast members have spoken publicly about how terrible Seagal was to work with. In the book Live from New York, An Uncensored History of Saturday Night Live by Tom Shales and James Andrew Miller, Julia Sweeney wrote, When we pitched our ideas for Seagal at our Monday meeting, he gave us some of his own sketch ideas. And some of his sketch ideas were so heinous, but so hilariously awful. It was like we were on candid camera. He had this idea that he's a therapist, and he wanted Victoria Jackson to be his patient who's just been raped. And the therapist says, you're going to have to come to me twice a week for like three years because, he said, that's how therapists fucking are. They're just trying to get your money. And then he says that the psychiatrist tries to have sex with her. 
Bob Odenkirk, a writer for SNL at the time, talked about the experience on the Howard Stern Show in 2022. I was helping with Hans and Franz that week. Yeah, I didn't usually help with that piece, but I love those guys. And, uh, and, and Seagal read it, and he said, if I do this sketch, if I do it. And, you know, they, they want to fight him. Hey, we'll take you on. He goes, if I do it, I have to beat them up. Like he has to, it's like a John Wayne thing, right? Like, right, they, right. like he's it's got the win. most ludicrous scenario. You don't worry. <laughs> no one will think that they actually, no one's thinking anyone beat anyone up here. But uh, that was his attitude the whole week was he kept saying, I've never seen your show. I don't know what you do here. Like, really? You've never seen Saturday Night Live? <laughs> Where do you live? <laughs> By the way, if you attempt to watch this episode on Peacock, the majority of the sketches featuring Seagal have been removed. Despite this mess of a performance, a year later, Seagal would have the biggest hit of his career. A terrorist controls the world's most dangerous weapons. Happy trails. But there's one weapon he doesn't control. Steven Seagal. Here come the good guys. Tommy Lee Jones, Under Siege, rated R. Starts Friday, October 9th at a theater near you. Under Siege made over $15 million its opening weekend, going on to make $83 million worldwide by the end of its theatrical run. It was also a hit with critics and is the only Steven Seagal movie ever to receive Academy Award nominations, though they were both for sound. But things would take a turn after Under Siege. Seagal had a string of films that weren't exactly well-received, including 1994's On Deadly Ground, which not only did Seagal direct, but also won a Razzie for Worst Director. Other failures followed. Executive Decision earned Seagal another Razzie nomination, this time for Worst Supporting Actor. Then Under Siege 2 wasn't a hit with audiences or critics. The years that followed saw most of Seagal's films going straight to video. He would also be accused of sexual harassment multiple times, as well as being charged with employment discrimination and breach of contract from his time filming the movie On Deadly Ground. But actually, the list of lawsuits in general against the guy is pretty lengthy. Obviously, Seagal does not seem like a good guy. I know my whole thing on this show is celebrating these odd albums, but I just want to say for the record, I'm not celebrating Steven Seagal in any way. In fact, I wasn't actually aware of some of these stories until doing my research for the episode. But I am here to tell the story of these weird albums, and unfortunately, this is a part of his story. But anyway, let's try and move on and get to why we're here today. In the midst of all his lawsuits and direct-to-video films, in 2004, Steven Seagal released Songs from the Crystal Cave on non-solo blues. Well, well they, they probably think I'm the biggest jerk who's, who's ever been on the show. No, no, that would be Steven Seagal. The album begins with Girl, It's Alright. The song was written by Seagal alongside Greg Barnhill, a Nashville-based songwriter who's also written for Trisha Yearwood, Amy Grant, Tim McGraw, and even former Bizarre Album subject New Monkeys. Girl It's Alright was also released as a single in some countries, and there was a music video. Whisper your wildest dreams. 
The next song, Don't You Cry, was also featured in Seagal's 2005 direct-to-video film, Into the Sun. Would you feel the same if I was invisible, untouchable? Would you call my name if you no longer see my face? Up next is a song called Music. The song features and was co-written by Jamaican reggae DJ Tony Rebel. It also has former Prince bassist Rhonda Smith, in addition to backing vocals from Rose Banks, sometimes known as Rose Stone, who's a rock and roll hall of famer with Sly and the Family Stone. Up next is not a Pearl Jam cover, but the song is called Better Man. The song also features backing vocals from former Atlantic star lead vocalist Sharon Bryant. And for some reason, the French pressing of this album has a different track order, and this song is the opening track. Seagal is credited with singing and playing guitar on these songs. And on the next track, Route 23, he also plays drums. My mama found in a shoebox My daddy people came from far away Mama left on the pole to the rich folks my daddy had to work to pay Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. Apparently Seagal playing music was not a new thing. In the 1990 article from People magazine that I referenced earlier, Seagal's mother Pat mentions that he spent most of his teenage years in the garage playing music. The liner notes of this album feature a note from Steven Seagal that reads, Music is the language of the divine. It is the one language that all people understand. It is the one language that transcends all political, racial, and religious boundaries. No matter how diverse or far apart our philosophies or cultures may be, through music we can heal the world. Through music we can become enlightened. I believe one can experience complete realization and liberation through sight and sound. Sagal is also a big guitar collector owning over 300 guitars, as he talks about in this clip from the History Channel. I collect guitars because I'm a serious player, and I've been playing since I was a child, and I love guitar, and I play all kinds of different music. 
Seagal uses his collection in the studio and on stage. Unlike other musicians and collectors, he is willing to risk some of his most prized guitars by taking them on the road. I travel with these, I just don't let them out of my sight. <laughs> Please dance Believe it or not, Stevie Wonder appears on this album. Stevie Wonder, the music genius! He plays harmonica on My God. Lollipop is a traditional song featuring Jamaican DJ Lieutenant Stitchy. Jealousy is one of two songs on the album featuring Lady Saw. Formerly known as the Queen of Dancehall, Lady Saw is the first female DJ to be certified triple platinum and a Grammy Award-winning artist. The album closes with The Light. There's a hole in the light, and I know it's but light. Once you go in, they throw the key away. Darkness before the night, and I get the day. The album was produced by Rick Wake, a multi-Grammy and Oscar-winning producer. He's worked with artists like Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, Barry Manilow, Mariah Carey. He even produced past Bizarre Album subject Brie Larson. But Rick Wake would not be the producer for Steven Seagal's follow-up album, Mojo Priest, in 2006 an album that features a single called Alligator Ass. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Thaxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. 
And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums. <laughs>